0: Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wildbow's most work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Urban Warhouse. And we are back to talk about uh, Null 9.2, which opens with Blake kind of reeling from the revelation that Rose was a big old faker, pants on fire, liar, liar, this whole time. Um, and he's he basically is trying to figure out what happened and why it happened
1: yeah and i i feel like i say this fairly often but i really love how this opens Mm. because you know if you're binging the story you would immediately jump from the reveal to blake processing it yeah uh but if you're reading it at a slower pace like us uh the first line just being like she fucked it up on purpose immediately brings us back into like oh yeah fuck that's all right like
0: yeah, it's it, there, there's a real skill to that, to kind of mastering the art of having it work for both the binging readers and the you know the the you know chapter by chapter readers.
1: Yeah, I imagine that's a really tough line to yeah, walk. But it seems as like I mean
0: Wildberg presumably has had a lot of practice at it, and it, it shows. Um, yeah, and so so the reaction to this is Blake kind of going through and, and recontextualizing things, like the little clues that hinted towards this, which is nice, Blake. So we don't have to go back and, and find them ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one he doesn't bring up that has always bothered me was Mm. right after the ritual when Rose was always like, oh, I don't feel like it worked. It didn't work. I can't do magic. But also, (laughs) I can't lie. Um,
0: (laughs) I felt like it didn't work, but also, this part of it definitely did work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, like, you know, Blake and I, ever since then, have just sort of been like, yeah, that is really weird. I wonder what it was, but just believed her. Mm. Uh, Anyway, I always assumed Granny Rose had done something, and then... Yeah, You know, now, yeah, it's just funny. Like, he, he doesn't bring that one up, but that's always the moment for me where I've been like, this is weird, but I never assumed it was her. I assumed it was everyone else.
0: Actually, I remember there was some confusion back at that point about um what it means for practitioners to not be able to lie. Like, we kind of thought that they had a bit of a... Because at the start, they, we were confused thinking there was like a Maggie Holt style effect where they actually physically couldn't lie, right? Maybe that is that comes from Rose's not understanding it and trying to play along and us kind of believing her (laughs) and then... I don't know, I I have to go back to check that because this is just kind of occurring to me now, but I wonder if that's there. I kind of feel like it might be. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Anywho, (laughs) I agree that that's very suspicious. Um, But Blake's reaction to this, which is honestly a very level-headed reaction and one that I didn't think of until he kind of thought of it, is... um, he thinks that this is another symptom of this place trying to grind him down. Like, showing him the things that are happening, yes, but specifically that are happening and that will kind of drive him to be motivated by anger, I suspect.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. Like, Mm. that seems like an especially specific, dedicated, high-effort fuck you from the drains, whereas Mm. the rest of it just seems to be much more this place is just generally shit like it's kind of a universal grind down whereas like you know even things like the blackfish that we'll get to later um Mm. are less specific or personal Mm. um i mean it's obviously the blackfish is very personal but in a kind of way that suits everyone so unless everyone gets these kind of visions I i almost think this might be a little at least a little bit what the elder sister was saying about how Blake just instantly assumes the universe is against him. And he's often right. Like, you know, (laughs) there's a reason he feels that way. Uh, but at the, at the least, I think this is the drains piggybacking off some sort of connection that still exists. Like I, I don't think this is a complete fabrication of the drains. I'm maybe, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I believe it's piggybacking off something and like, he's focusing on the wrong part.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I kind of get what you're saying, that it does feel very targeted. But also, like, it feels like, for example, when he has his his future vision later in the chapter, that does feel targeted to him. Not as targeted, but still kind of specifically taps into things that will unsettle him.
1: Yeah, I, I, I get that. It, it just feels more passive. Like, this is sure. the drains going out of its way to show him specific things. I, I don't know. It just feels so much more active than... Yeah, I'd say most of the drains is kind of just passively just wearing you down just by existing. Yeah. No, I, like the dreams I, do that. Like, it's just bad dreams, you know. I re- can see that being part of the drains.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And we don't really know. But regardless of whether it is it is out to get him or not, I think it it is good for Blake to see it as it being out to get him because it helps him kind of compartmentalise it a bit, I suppose. Kind of say, yes, this is bad, but I can't get too wrapped up in it. I need to kind of keep perspective and keep sticking to my goals
1: yeah um I which mean, i think is good uh, yeah it is but that's the thing about this place it's just i mean it wears you down <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um so blake manages to kind of pull his head together a bit and and continues on his way kind of inching across uh pipes gutters uh, ledges bridges etc um
1: yeah yeah i mean you know the the short version of navigating the the landscape of the drain seems to be it's always the worst it sucks
0: yeah i i don't know i i find it a bit hard to visualize it right like in my head i have this picture of like all these pipes and gutters and and bridges and whatever all kind of crisscrossing across like a big uh void slash ravine kind of thing um but it and it kind of gives me these pictures of like hogwarts staircases right like just kind of endless interlocking Staircases of drains and ledges and stuff, and, and I kind of wonder how intentional it is that I can't picture it clearly in my head, because it kind of adds to the um to the kind of Lovecraftian horror of this being <laughs> a kind of sentient uh, hellscape, I guess. Um, but also, it's obviously very dark, and Blake doesn't have a clear picture of it, so I'm kind of like, it's hard to keep it straight in my head. But I think that adds to the idea of okay, you're one wrong step always from from falling into the void forever
1: yeah i mean it would totally be on point for this place for it to physically not make sense in 3d space yeah uh i i mean i've just sort of been picturing like the mutant cities under new new york from futurama <laughs>
0: yeah that's a good comparison i like
1: um it. <laughs> or uh I, I mentioned in the live reads the the sewers from are real monsters um I mean, I think that partially might be my mind protecting me because both of those are nice cartoons. Um, Mm. So it's like my my (laughs) mind is is seeking shelter uh, and and sort of putting it all through that lens for me.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I can see that. Um, So uh, Blake kind of makes his way through the uh, drains and eventually comes across a... A large uh water mill uh, next to a bridge, and there's a lot of water kind of flowing through this mill being dumped down into the void um and on the bridge around the mill, there is a small settlement.
1: I was simultaneously so optimistic and <laughs> terrified at like seeing a group of settlement like yeah. a settlement. I was just like, this is either going to go fantastically or poorly,
0: yeah. Um, and Blake kind of walks through the settlement and he's kind of looking at the ramshackle accommodations and he kind of puts them on blast thinking about how he was able to build better structures than this when he was homeless, which I don't know if that's necessary, Blake.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly puts the whole thing in perspective, but like, I honestly think he puts the people more on blast than their oh, accommodations. Yeah. Like, uh, cause you know, we, we learn a lot more about how the drains works term here and, and wounds don't heal but they also yeah. don't kill you, so you're just left, like, looking Weakened. more monstrous. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. And the people are kind of in this weird place where they seem to be on their slide towards monstrousness, but they're very still kind of maintaining their generousness. Like, yeah. it's it's very interesting because I feel like you can kind of take from it the idea that There are two conflicting themes here, right? And one is, even in the worst situations, people can maintain their humanity and their kindness, which these people have done. But the other reading on that is just that these people are slowly losing their humanity, and therefore we're seeing them before they turn into the monsters. Like, I don't know. Hmm. I I wonder which of these we're meant to take, or if it's meant to be both of them.
1: Yeah, so my understanding... Or, or my theory is a bit more in the middle. Like I think it's more the latter. We're watching them mid uh, transition, but I think they're going through a slower descent because they're a group and they're sticking together and they're, they've got like quite a noble goal. Like they're trying to take care of the kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, these kids are running around with goblins in their hair, So like, I don't <laughs> know how well they're doing, but yeah. um, like, I feel like that sense of community and the sort of noble purpose might be holding them better together yeah than, like other people like blake or green eyes who are just sort of wandering alone
0: maybe the point to take from it is you can give up your humanity for a short-term benefit or for some kind of miscellaneous power but the the hidden cost to that is giving up your humanity is what makes you slide further and further down the path right like your humanity oh, yeah. is kind of a shield against the drain
1: um. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's sort of the conclusion Blake comes yeah, to uh, right. soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that's just kind of seeding this. Um. Also, these people slowly turning into like insects, animals, beasts, whatever is very like horrifying and, and uh, cool. But don't say that too loud.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it reminds me of like Davy Jones's crew from Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean yeah. 2 and 3. Um. Yeah, it's, you know, horrorsome.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, so Blake is about to head off, but he gets kind of grabbed by a woman who, who uh, kind of indicates danger ahead with some charades, I guess. Yeah, um, sh-
1: charades champion 2014. Uh, this Yeah, woman. she
0: does pretty well. Blake seems to get exactly what she means immediately. <laughs> um, and, and so she c- kind of calls over a, 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 what seems like an elder of their group who kind of escorts Blake through this dangerous passage that's up ahead. Um, I want to read out the line when Blake looks at this person, because I think it's awesome. Uh, he thinks, a man, bald. I couldn't see what was wrong with him. It may be said a lot that I had to define people in this place by how screwed up they were. <laughs> which I think very much says a lot about the mindset that Blake has been put in. Yeah,
1: into. I mean, look, well, he doesn't know any names or whatever, so he's got to find something unique to latch yeah. onto, uh... So, I don't know, maybe it's saying more about the drains that it creates all these unique things on people that are easy to watch onto, but... And kind of define their identity by these things. Yeah, I mean, everyone doing that certainly doesn't help, I imagine. Oh, oh yeah. But, um, I mean, you know, Blake continues for the rest of the chapter to refer to him as, like, the bald man. Yeah. Um, and it's unclear, like, there's no specifics on whether it's just Blake noticed something wrong with him and, and decided not to say anything. Mm or um if you know this guy doesn't have any oddities to his physical form and i mean you know the the former would actually be nicer but i have a feeling it's probably the latter
0: (laughs) it could be um so the bald man leads blake through this kind of corridor thing along a dangerous path and eventually they make their way past what the woman was referring to which is a giant sleeping goblin that they don't want to wake up for fear it will kind of attack them and eat some of them. Um, Hmm. Eventually the, the bald man leads Blake far enough away uh, that they get to a corridor and feel like they can kind of have a, a brief hushed conversation.
1: Yeah. And I like the way this conversation opens with the whole three choices thing. Um, mm. you know, and then Blake suggests that oh, there's a fourth choice. I could just start <laughs> getting other people. Yeah, and and you know, the bull guy threatens to throw him off if if he thinks he can actually do that. And it adds a sort of tenseness to the rest of the conversation because Blake's always worried now if he says the wrong thing, this dude's just gonna push him.
0: Yeah, but I like the the glimpse of these people that we get through this conversation, right? Because we see that they're good. Like the revelations here are that they're taking care of these miscellaneous lost children that aren't theirs which is obviously a very good thing to do um in addition the man seems very willing to like attack blake if he threatens to put their group at risk like they're they're clearly quite a good group of people
1: yeah i mean they're more cohesive than like any group from the walking dead that i saw (laughs) um but yeah i mean we also get a really interesting look into how people who you know, aren't going toe-to-toe with demons and, and fairy mm. uh, can end up here. Like, apparently this storm, or oh, like, the theory is that this storm just wrecked the place that they're from so much that they lost all their connections to the world. Yeah. Um, like, I guess this is, you know, if there's like a typhoon and-, and bodies aren't found, maybe we're meant to assume some of them ended up in the drains, which is... Mm terrifying and also explains you know how it's not just full of you know blakes and, and maggies and and you know a bunch of rookie practitioners
0: yeah yeah um it it does add an extra bit of horrifyingness and maybe slightly weight towards the point that practitioners have a nice useful role to serve in kind of maintaining the uh magical world so that stuff like this doesn't have happen to the innocents but um i don't know uh maybe so the other thing this bald man tells blake about is a witch uh, the only other kind of practitioner type that he knows of down here um kind of tells him uh where she lives and blake kind of sets this as his goal and decides to uh take a rest and then head on uh to meet the witch
1: yeah i'm sure she's real nice
0: <laughs> yeah i mean the last witch we saw was crone right so we'll see yeah um, and yeah, it, it's uh, throughout this conversation and a little bit further on in the chapter, we're really starting to understand the mechanics of, of the drains. Um, you don't need to eat, drink or sleep, but not doing so will make you weak or you can give up those aspects of yourself, give up the need to eat, but that makes you slightly less human.
1: And this is so cool. Cause like, it's so much scarier when it's a choice, oh, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, it's not that this place has taken that thing away from you. It's that it's just torturing you with it until you decide to do it and like feel shit about it yeah um yeah, yeah. Like, like and it kind of makes the monsters scarier too that we see because they're not people who had things taken from them they're people who gave up and yeah like that somehow makes it worse
0: yeah i think it kind of shows that uh the monsters are the people who are a bit less in touch with their humanity or less or kind of more ruthless right people who are willing to make that choice for their benefit, Mm. will just become monsters naturally over time. Um, Yeah. But on the whole, it seems like a good system. You know, you can pick, oh, I don't want to be able to eat anymore. I don't want to have to eat anymore. And you get maybe like a cool power in exchange. (laughs) It's cool. Worth it. I'd do that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is like, in other situations, like, you know, the ability to never have to sleep and to to not have to eat, like, I'd probably take that. Like, that's a superpower in, in other, like, places. Yeah. Uh, but here it's it's this like awful monkey paw temptation, like sacrificing your actual humanity. Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, because it is so tempting. Like even without the possibility of getting some cool kind of power in exchange, <laughs> yeah, giving up the ability to have to sleep or to eat. Like on the surface, those are very tempting things, especially in this situation. Here, yeah,
1: especially here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we jump forward in time, a few months, and Blake has changed. He has become more focused on his anger driving him. And also he has wings, bat wings. Um, So Bat Blake kind of flies around, feasting on aggressive creatures that he finds, and plots for his escape.
1: Man, this was so bonkers to read. Like, my- (laughs) My what the fuck per minute ratio was off the charts. Yeah. Uh first the reveal he's been here for months, then the reveal he has wings. Yep. Uh and then, you know, towards the end we get the reveal that he's like sleeping with green eyes was Seeming the implication. Me. Yeah. Uh and so that way, you know, that's really the point where you're like, okay, so this just isn't Blake anymore yeah um it, like you know by by that point you're sort of like this isn't really blake and then you say that and you're like yep okay 100 percent. yeah he
0: has that line where he says you know blake thorburn was given up long ago or something um, yeah yeah it's horrifying and i i i can't remember if i thought this was true or not but it is easy to imagine when blake kind of later wakes up and realizes that this is a, a vision of the future like it's very easy to see this is totally what will happen. Like, you, there's no doubt in my mind that if Blake stays in the drains long enough, this is what will happen to him.
1: Yeah, I I would tend to agree, um, it, it, even based on what we see throughout the rest of this chapter. Um... And yeah, I mean, I I'd like to be able to say, or you know, even if I wanted to lie and say, oh, I didn't fall for this. Like anyone who followed my life, he <laughs> knows for for sure I did. And I stand by falling for it. I don't think that would have been the most bonkers thing to happen in this yeah. story. Uh, it would have been right up there for sure. But, <clears> um, yeah, it was a great it was a great sleight of hand.
0: Yeah, no, it's cool. And I, it's it's so interesting as well because we see the useful decisions Blake has made. Like Blake is. Mm has turned himself into someone who can't, doesn't just exist in this space, but kind of thrives in it. And also seems to have the idea of like being helpful to other people. Like he brings stuff to other people possibly that he catches from monsters that he kills. Like he's helping feed other people, bring stuff to green eyes. Like it's easy to see this version of Blake seeing that as the right self-sacrificing thing to do, but he's obviously kind of slid on the path to becoming a murderer as well. So it's very easy to be like, I don't know, like weighing up the pros and cons of going down this path.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, like really, in a way this vision's tempting him by showing him how if he grinds down the positive parts of his aspect uh, of his personality, it grinds down the negative ones. So right? like yeah. it, the whole thing with green eyes, you know, that that's his biggest trauma. And it, you know, this is basically the Drain saying, "Hey, we can make that not an issue." And it's like, yeah. you know, you're sick of being small and afraid. We'll make you the biggest predator in here. Like yeah. it's it's appealing to his want to get rid of the negative aspects of his personality uh, and, and saying, you know, well, is, is this worth it? Like, you know, give up some good bits and we'll take away those really bad bits. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we leave, uh, you know, this, this troll passage, um, I, I want to talk about how cool I thought this was. Because mm. in almost everything else I've ever seen or read, fake-out dreams are the worst um like, nobody likes oh like the end of the chapter and it's like, oh, it was just a dream, right? I mean it's either usually really transparent or kind of cheap. Yeah. But I really enjoyed this one. Like there was a sense of when I found out it was a dream, it was like, oh thank fuck. Um rather <laughs> than like, oh are you serious? Which would yeah. I, I feel like would normally be my reaction. So I was trying to figure out why. Mm. Um and and you know, I think there's like a few little things like, you know, pact is so crazy. I was just willing to believe it, like it didn't feel over the top. Um, and how it was in the middle of a chapter. But I think the biggest reason this works is because it's it's in the story, like this is something that has an effect on Blake. It's not just used for a cheap, like, oh shit effect. I mean, it achieves that as well, but that's not the main point. Mm. Um, it's it's a message to Blake that we see in process. Like, you know, the first things after he wakes up is him being just as oh, shit, was that real or not, as we're kind of going through at that time. Yeah. Um, So I think the fact that it works in story so well means that, like, it doesn't bother me like I think it should.
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that this is a motivating factor for Blake, I think, is what kind of gives it a pass in my eyes. Um, Because it's not just here to shock us as the audience, it's here to shock Blake. (laughs) Mm, Exactly, Um, yeah. So he wakes up from his uh, vision and he kind of presses on being reminded of his mortality by the various wounds he's suffered since he came here uh the bugs green eyes kissing him <laughs> apparently stung enough to uh to leave a bit of a you know a stinging wound um and he eventually comes to a dark bridge over some stinky water yeah and i love all this
1: bit where he focuses on all the wounds and all his pain because he kind of has to hold on to it and it's like because he like, now, in the back of his head, there's that knowledge that he can just switch that part of him off. And it's like, mm-hmm. if, if the pain's getting to you, turn it off. And, yep. and so, he's got to kind of, like, push through it. Like, I don't want to say revel in it, because that's probably achieving a similar sort of uh, <laughs> disconnect. Yeah, uh, But, he, yeah, he's very much like, he's in so much pain, but he has, it's like he, he knows now he has to choose to endure it as well. Like, that makes it worse, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he knows he has the choice to turn off some of this stuff. Which is very I don't know, it does make it worse, doesn't it? Well, it's always nice to have a safety net, but we'll get there.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, so he comes to this bridge and this uh he he has this encounter with this tentacle creature. And I think we both kinda had the exact same reaction, like, oh a, a water creature, I hope it's green eyes. And then it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> um and we have this really weird slow confrontation where Blake is like slowly twisting and contorting his body to try and avoid these tentacles that he can sense from the cold that they're radiating trying to make sure that it doesn't catch him and he can kind of get through it and it's this great slow motion uh scene which i really love
1: yeah it's it's kind of terrifying like it's um yeah just a, a, a little krakeny tentacle monster coming to get him i like yeah. the bit before he gets here where he he sort of realizes sort of what we were talking about last chapter about how like Midge and the other uh, boogeymen uh, from you know that like Rose would summon probably come from here and you know have gone through the transformations this place allows. Yeah, you know like, like we see in that vision of Blake in the future, like he's only one step away from you know presumably a practitioner catching him, binding him, and turning him into you know another Corviday.
0: Or yeah, you summon the man bat and he comes and rains terror on all your enemies. Yeah, um, yeah um yeah you're you're right and and it kind of makes me recontextualize stuff like this tentacle monster that blake is avoiding right like who knows yeah. what the story is like maybe this is what green eyes will turn into in you know a year um, yeah
1: i mean or well, this could have been an accountant like you know we don't know
0: <laughs> why an accountant i mean it could have yeah but <laughs> is there some <laughs> connection that i'm not aware of there
1: no that was just the first a thought popped in my head accountant. for a random random sure. like everyday job sure sure uh
0: so blake is twisting avoiding these tentacles and it seems to be working until he gets another vision um alexis is crying and alexis doesn't know why she can't put her finger on why
1: yeah and Walbo manages to slip in a nice little uh line about how things are getting ugly in jacob's bell so like we're already sort of missing out on presumably the start of Uh, the lordship fuck fest um Mm. so you know the sort of concern on multiple fronts yeah because like we're sort of clinging to the hope that blake will get out of here and you know if he's getting out of here to go to jacob's bell that's going to be like a war zone it's like you know i don't (laughs) want this i don't want this to be a lateral transition like i'm kind of hoping this is the the bottom and it's all uphill from here
0: no yeah Um, you're right. I I want to touch on this vision because it feels so perfectly timed that this, to me, kind of confirms Blake's suspicion that this place is working against him. Like, this... It's a perfect timing of this vision that distracts him long enough for the tentacle monster to get him. Like, it feels too coincidental to not be intentional by the drains.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it it also makes him angry and more liable to fight back, Mm. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I I still... I'm going to maintain that this is a connection the drains is piggybacking on and like, you know, maybe the drains is choosing what to show him or whatever, but it's piggybacking off something that exists because that gives me hope. And, and you know, that this hope is all I have right now
0: yeah yeah okay fair enough uh so blake uh kind of continues to struggle against the tentacle beast it's found him he was distracted by the vision long enough for it to find the plank of wood and then kind of find him but he struggles against it and he manages to get off of the bridge and kind of escape around the corner collapsing uh with only one or two injuries from this thing Um, although his leg is pretty messed up
1: <laughs> yeah but like all of him is at this point um, yeah true. like he just sort of he sort of lies there for a few hours until he can move.
0: Yeah. Um, and one of the things he does as he's kind of regaining his strength is listing his reasons to keep going. He talks about Evan, of course, Alexis, Tiff, Tyler. Um, he wants to ride his bike and he wants to kill Err. Uh, those are his <laughs> prime motivations. And it's interesting because one thing that is completely absent, both in the positive and the negative, is Rose. And I'm not sure if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Like, he doesn't say that he wants to get back and, and you know, confront Rose. But he also doesn't say that he doesn't want to do that, that he wants to, like, <laughs> re- reunite with Rose, right? Like, he's not rage-motivated, yes. I suppose, which is at least a good thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially because
1: in the Vision dream thing, uh, she was very much a driving factor. He wanted to get out to get revenge on her. was something he said yeah. in his narration there a couple of times. So it's... uh. I mean, yeah, you're right, Rose isn't a positive, she's not a negative, but she was in the vision, so it's like something to keep an eye on, I think, watch the the trend of how he uh, thinks of her.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So Blake is able to finally, after hours, pull enough strength together to get back up and kind of hobble along, and he eventually comes to the witch's town, another kind of ramshackle-looking town. And pa- and on the bridge to get into town, he passes by a man that's wearing all black. And this man calls out to him in a familiar voice, and it's Carl.
1: Yeah, okay. I uh, I uh, we'll get back to that in a second, just <laughs> like shit. But um, yeah. I love when he's first introduced. It's like everything he's wearing is black. It's like black shoes, black socks. And yeah. The black the text. Staff. Yeah. The text. Ta- the text goes so far out of its way to tell you about how everything's black that you are sort of like okay so so what's this then yeah um there's like like the word black is is in the same
0: sentence about eight times like there's no yeah. way you can't like be like huh uh, yeah um it's great isn't it because we're being introduced to a character that blake clearly knows and it, like it's a familiar voice and when as soon as blake thinks it was a familiar voice you're immediately like well, who could it be, right?
1: Yeah, you're searching through
0: your own internal catalogue of characters to, yeah. to be like, who, who could this be? And eventually Blake says the name Carl, and we think, well, that's nobody that we know. Wait, so then who is it? And of course, immediately, there's only one person that it really could be, right? Mm. Um, and so having never heard anything about who this person actually is before, we kind of immediately are able to click with why this is so bad. And why it's, of course, it's this person because we're in the drains. Like, wh- who else would it be? Um, yeah, you're right. Like, I think the second any
1: of the characters that we know is ruled out, Blake's like visceral reaction. Like, there's the bit where he says, um, you know, to say my heart dropped out of my chest didn't really do the feeling justice. Mm-hmm. It was more like a giant brutish fist had reached up from under me, fingers gripping everything inside the rib cage and just tore it out, leaving me hollow. Yeah. Um where there's only a handful of things Blake would yep. respond to like that, and there's only one that we haven't
0: seen in the story already. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense to show here. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Um, I love the way that Blake pu- puts it together with the idea of the blackfish that Green Eyes mentioned before as well. Mm. Um, It, again, is it's such sorry, a I
1: was gonna say, I was going to say, I don't think I would have put that together if he hadn't. I'm glad he said that.
0: Yeah, me neither. Uh, But it's such a cool piece of, like, the world of the drains involves you coming face to face with your blackfish, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, So, Blake runs away from Carl, and in running away, he almost falls off of this bridge and into the void uh but kind of manages to basically catch himself by sticking his arm into a into a a pile of whatever uh, iron uh, strats that are holding up the bridge um
1: yeah i very much sort of viewed this as like a very indiana jones style movement where he's like jammed his arm in somewhere and so he's just kind of hanging there stuck off the edge (laughs)
0: like like if indiana jones didn't care about his arm and was okay well, with yeah. fucking up his arm beyond belief yeah 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 <laughs> that's how i picture it um but yeah he kind of is able to stop his fall and pull himself back up uh and he gets up and immediately he calls out to man levin and lewis Whew. like yeah and this is what we've been talking about he should have been doing <laughs> I, like in arc four <laughs> yeah oh and that's the thing
1: like like this moment hits you so well because calling the lawyers has been sitting over our heads for, like, like seven arcs, really. Yeah. And Blake has refused to do it at times where you could argue he pretty objectively should have, yeah, um, almost. Yeah, totally. And so, like, you know, this is something that's just sort of been building up in, in our subconscious, like, call the lawyers, call the lawyers. And then so to see him do it, you finally, like, it really hits you that it's like, okay, he is, like, broken. Like, he's... Yeah,
0: like... like- uh. I I love the concept of not calling the lawyers has been a key point for him for, through this entire story. Um, but the drains got him there. The drains mm-hmm. sapped him down enough that he broke this key thing that he was never really going to break. Um, I love yeah, it. and the it's... and the
1: reason and the reason that hits us so hard is because he has refused to do it for so long. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so. Blake says, let me help my friends, I said. You win. This place wins. Just let me help them and you can have me after that. A deal with the devil. No, was the reply. Too late. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <rorrow>. <laughs> um, So uh, there are a few options of what this means, right? Blake is maybe worth so little that they don't even want him or uh, to kind of get him back into the position of power in the Thorburn line, it's, you know, not worth enough effort. Um, or what i think might be the worst possible option rose might have already taken the deal
1: <laughs> i'd never thought of that that's awful mm-hmm. um yeah i mean but like coming back to to black's perspective like as we sort of just mentioned like the the lawyers have always been a tiny bit of a safety net like one he's almost not even really planned to use but it i think in the back of his mind and and ours as readers has always been like oh well you know if it gets well, real bad the yeah. you can call the lawyers and Now they decide to show up and just tell him to go fuck himself, Um, which is, it was interesting to me actually, because last time he tried to call the lawyers, it didn't work, right? Like Rose was the one who had to do it even before she properly took his place. Yeah. So like part of me almost wants to believe the lawyers didn't even come and this is just the drains fucking with him. (laughs) Um, I mean, it kind of has the same effect. Like if the lawyers just hadn't come. Yeah, true. Like same
0: problem, right? Uh, I guess this is more disheartening
1: yeah and i mean maybe that like actually i can picture man 11 and willis like sending mrs Lewis to just be like not nah, go fuck yourself you had your chance <laughs> no way, uh, Jose. <laughs> just, just to prove a point uh, but yeah it's very much like we're ending this chapter with this sense of like utter hopelessness like this is the end or this is the bottom right like it's all uphill from here right well please? hopefully
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh what a powerful like setup as well right like We've, we, this kind of does establish Blake has literally nothing left. Like yep. this is the thing that he has always had in his back pocket. Just in case. This Now yep. he's completely, completely
1: alone. Exactly. Like we're entering 9.3 with Blake having
0: nothing. Yep. All right. And that's uh, how 9.2 ends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's all uphill from here. It has to be, right? Actually, no. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? um it's a great chapter though i love it it like i love i really have found myself enjoying this arc so much the concept of the drains and how it perfectly plays into blake and his kind of struggles to hold on to his different aspects of his morality and humanity is so perfect
1: yeah 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 this this conceptually this is so great like watching uh after we just watched uh mags zoo a much more light version of this in yep. Arcade, try to sort of find herself. you know, now we're seeing, uh, you know, the, the big boy version, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the end of our chapter. Uh, but of course, uh, at the end of each chapter, we want to bring a little, a little special something, something on the side for you guys. Um, and Elliot, do you want to talk about this week's one?
1: Yeah, so we're gonna do another monster corner because it's been a while since we did one. I think. Yeah, we um,
0: haven't had many new monsters lately, but
1: no, or or Wildbo has been completely creating them, and there and there hasn't been any ties that we've noticed uh, mm. to other things. Um, so I want to talk about gargoyles, uh, for our monster corner this week because uh, I'm pr- wait. That's more or less what Blake turned into from the looks of it, um, mm-hmm. in his vision. And he also kind of runs into one beforehand. It's like a neat little bit of foreshadowing we skipped over before, but, um, yeah. So I decided to do some research on gargoyles to, to see what I could pull up. And the first interesting thing I found was, um, like the concept of a gargoyle as a like species or, or race of monster actually only like came about in 1972. They're very recent. Mm. Um, you know, they were from a movie called Gargoyles and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's aged well, but, uh, you know, like I, I assumed that as a concept, they would go back a lot Surely than they this. go back further than that. So like Gargoyles, like the statues that are on mm. buildings, like they're an architectural thing. Those have been around for thousands of years. Like they, they act as water spouts. That was something I didn't know. This is just a mm. little architectural lesson now. Okay, um, yeah, but uh, the, the whole thing of making them like look like animals and particularly monsters has been around for a while. Like the ancient Egyptians and Greeks used lions, um, you know there were lots of other ones. And then in medieval Europe, that was when they started doing like chimeric ones that were like mm. weird hybrids, uh, and Notre Dame in particular had its sort of uh, bat crossed with a dragon type design mm. that became quite popular. And then that is those were the sorts of gargoyles that were used to influence like the the race that was in the movie, and then
0: D and D and stuff. But so they they existed architecturally since like Notre Dame, let's say, but they weren't mm. actually like treated as they had some kind of like Toy Story esque sentience or yeah. they there was no monster version of it until recently.
1: So there were there were concepts of like gargoyles coming to life in in sort of the same way as like golems. Like you sure. know people would uh imbue gargoyles to like defend somewhere or mostly they were like possessed by demons for some reason. Uh and and that sort of makes sense. If you've got all your build your big buildings covered in like scary looking monsters for some reason, which like I don't know why everyone picked scary looking monsters, but whatever. (laughs) Uh yeah, the idea of them being protectors or or demonic possessions or whatever kind of makes sense. Um but yeah, it wasn't really until that nineteen seventy two movie and D and D introduced them in nineteen seventy four into its whole thing. Um the concept of, like, a gargoyle, as, as we would probably picture it, as, like, the kind of human-bat-dragon hybrid right, things. as,
0: like, separate to being a statue. Yeah, so in most I things,
1: it, in everything pre-1972, it was like a gargoyle coming to life, but it would just be in the form of whatever the gargoyle was. So, like, a, a movie about gargoyles or a story about gargoyles might have featured, like, lion-shaped gargoyles. Like, the mm. the attribution to that specific form that I at least picture, when I hear the term, is, is you know, from the 70s,
0: basically. Interesting. That's so interesting to me that these statues were made but not of an existing mythology. That that feels strange.
1: Yeah. and, and I mean, often a lot of the statues would you know be specific dragons or right. mythological creatures or whatever but uh the notre dame ones were just kind of a weird chi- a chimera that uh you know became its own thing a couple hundred years later there you well, go not a couple hundred years many more yeah. Seven, 700 the notre so? dame
0: was what 1100 1200s. to 1200 yeah something
1: like that yeah um yeah so i don't know Wait, not not as much deep lore to tie back into pact as i thought but i learned some interesting lessons there you
0: go um
1: and because, you know, I-, I thought there might be some stuff to do with gargoyles and, like, how they uh, how they might tie into Blake. Because when I first saw he had wings, I was like, oh, well, of course, it's Blake. Like, wings makes sense. Um, but, mm. you know, gargoyle lore doesn't go back enough for me to pull out imagery there. I guess um, mm. in D&D, they're chaotic evil, which you know is not good and the the dream was not good so <laughs> yep. that connects
0: it's a connection yeah yeah interesting i i guess uh one one thought of that and this isn't super to do with gargoyles but i i kind of see it as you know blake obviously has a lot of bird imagery around his tattoos and evan um, yeah and i guess bat wings are like a perversion of that like they're the evil version of you know what you might expect him to get
1: yeah exactly and that's uh, sort of i was i was thinking maybe there'd be more to that with gargoyles but it uh i, I, I mean i it... guess i guess the whole thing about them being statues and sort of part of the you know the foundation or whatever of a building you know like they're part of the scenery mm. you could you know that was sort of what happened to blake you can make some connections there but in, in terms of actual gargoyle law it turns out there's not much to pull from
0: hmm okay interesting um well uh i guess that's our. uh discussion on gargoyles and that wraps up our discussion on null 9.2 um thanks everybody for joining us if you have any thoughts about gargoyles that you want to share uh, any interesting uh, gargoyle tidbits uh, or any other <laughs> comments on null 9.2 in general the place to go is in our discussion thread which will be linked uh, down below
1: and of course the other place to reach us is on twitter which is at MediaMD Podcast.
0: Mm. Speaking of MediaMD Podcast, I think we already did this (laughs) announcement, but let's do it again. Um, MediaMD, our other show, which we've done for three years now, uh, has uh, just joined the Doof Media Network. So um, we'll be bringing you some great shows uh, uh, on Doof and uh, we might be doing some interesting community things with the show as well. So uh, if you want to check that show out, uh, go to doofmedia dot com and you'll see the latest episode there now.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, and as well, uh, doof, which now includes MediaMD and Deep Impact, and you know all the others like Vow to View, and we've got Ward uh, are supported by the patrons, Patreon dot com slash doofmedia. Yes, uh, and you know as we start to engage uh, MediaMD a bit more with the community, that'll probably largely be going through Patreon first. So that's your way to get in on the ground floor
0: yeah definitely Um, a lot of stuff that we'll be doing not all of it but a fair amount of it uh, we'll be uh, giving bonus content and doing all kinds of cool things for patrons so uh, if you want to yes. make sure you get all of that uh, back the Patreon and come check out the Discord and hang out with us Um, uh, speaking of Patreon if you want to you should definitely also support Wildbo's Patreon which is patreon.com slash Um, he's the one that comes up with all this cool stuff that we get to talk about uh, so uh, throw him some some dollars and uh, he can keep making cool stuff
1: yeah if you don't like donate you'll to wabo. Yeah. well I was going to say you know you won't be firming your connections to Wabo and you'll fall into the drains and that nobody too. wants that, that. Too. Uh, then, then so you yeah, turn so, into a gargoyle well yeah exactly so, you know, <laughs> and no, nobody wants to be a gargoyle I mean they don't even have interesting lore dating right, back right, hundreds right. of years pick a more
0: interesting monster like <laughs> fairy <laughs>
1: I don't know if that's better um, <laughs> we'll see you all on Friday the 2nd of August uh, for 9.3 see
0: you then